0: You're listening to the Regent College Podcast.
1: Hello, my name is Octavio fernandez y Mostajo. My name is Claire Perini. And welcome back to the Regent College Podcast.
2: Today, you're going to join us in a conversation with three current Regent students mm-hmm. who went uh, uh, to study in Nairobi, Kenya with Dr. Diane Stinton. So uh, she takes students there, uh, every, usually sort of every summer or every other summer, not to do anything. But to listen to the African church
1: and listen well,
2: listen well. They go to listen to African theologians and pastors in the African church, uh, and particularly in Nairobi in Kenya, and to understand what God's doing in that place. So today you'll uh, you'll hear from Regula, who was born in Switzerland but has spent the most part of her adult life in Edmonton as a middle school teacher. And then from Moses, who was born in South Korea, but as a missionary kid, and so has lived all over, but most recently has come from the States. And then from David, who is a born and bred Vancouverite, but has spent the last five years working in South Africa, in Cape Town. So um, it was a good conversation about what they learnt and some of the ideas that they were wrestling with.
1: Enjoy the podcast.
2: Friends, welcome to the Regent College podcast. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure? Yeah. Good. Moses, is it a pleasure for you? Yes. Good to be here. Great. It's a pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Why don't you tell us a little bit first, Uh, give us your name and where you're from and what you were doing, say, before coming to Regent. All right.
0: My name is David Lewis. Uh, I, you're the son of, I'm the son of Don Lewis. Oh, interesting. (laughs) I, uh, yeah, started at Regent three years ago. Uh, kind of, yeah, grew up around this community and, uh, I'm from Vancouver. Uh, and before Regent, I was working with an organization called YWAM, Youth with a Mission in Cape Town, South Africa for, uh, five years. Mm
3: Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, my name is Regula Winsler. I'm from Alberta, Edmonton, represent. Um, <laughs> sorry, was the Oh, I, I've been at Regent for one year. This is my second year at Regent. Before this, I was teaching junior high.
4: Hmm. Hi, I'm Moses Kim. I'm starting my third year at Regent. And before I came here, I was at San Francisco doing ministry. I was doing 10 years of collegiate and youth-focused ministry with a lot of international missions involved uh-huh. um, and part-time pastoring, and now here. Hello, my name is Octavio Fernandez. <laughs> 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 yeah,
1: no, uh, yeah, uh, Regulus, actually, I didn't know that. You made a president of the RCSA in, after your first year.
3: Fun fact, yeah. Dang, fun.
1: Nice. Nice. Um,
2: we wanted to hear a little bit about uh, your reflections on your time taking a course in Kenya with Diane Stinton. So we've had a podcast with Diane before thinking about contextual theology and those kinds of things and thought it would be great to hear from you guys some of your reflections upon that, um, particularly yeah, coming from the different contexts that you're coming from. Um, what, are, what are some of the important things that you learnt about African Christianity while you were there? Uh, and some of the things that perhaps those of us f- coming from a Western tradition of Christianity might be able to learn from the Kenyan, from Kenyan Christianity. So some, talk around that as, as much as you want.
3: Okay, well, I can think of something off the bat. Um, what I really loved learning about was about the shame honour culture that, that is prevalent in in other, not just Kenya, but all of Africa and Asian contexts, other places. But that's very different from the Western societies. Mm. And so I found that fascinating, especially learning that the Bible was written in shame honor context. And so how, from our perspective um, in the Western world, we have more of a guilt-innocence view of reading the Bible. So for example, when we look at the gospel and at Jesus, we look at, um, we think about how We're guilty. He restores our innocence. He died on the cross, uh, for us for that. But then for example, in Africa, um, they very much more resonate with, with how Jesus came to restore their, their honor, And that was really, really profound. And especially learning, for example, that in Romans, there's much more language that is shame-honor language rather than guilt-innocence. And so that sort of blew my mind and opened the Bible in a totally new way that I'm really interested to study more about.
4: I think in African uh, Christian culture, although we were, to be honest, not exposed to uh, the entire slice so we are only reporting from a very um, particular perspective of East Africa in Kenya in their capital Nairobi in the particular scholars and churches that we were able to see Uh, but I felt like one of the trend was a desire to make Christianity actually matter more than um, per se in a religious sphere and also make it a matter of um, everything in um, particularly how they interface disease, politics, uh, woman uh, issues. Um, In many ways, I think Christianity or or, um, just the thought of God was permeating actually through a much more area of conversation. And being from, I guess, generally West, and the East. <laughs>
2: what do you mean by generally with?
4: Yeah, so I guess I'm coming from a uh, Korean background, mm-hmm. um, as my last name could have suggested. And having to still live in North American uh, subculture of the world, I feel like um, in the place where I hold citizenship uh, down south in America, religion is a big, contentious uh, political issue. But strangely and ironically, it's not really thought in an integrative way that covers work, life, family, um, the way that people think about things. Politics being a very, I don't know, uh, glaring example of um, how religion might play a role in the public discourse, but often in a very divisive and negative way. So I thought African uh, desire to actually make life uh, seamless and, and whole, um, in a way that they think about every issue, uh, felt like a good challenge for people um, in North America. This is a very difficult question <clears throat> for me to
0: to answer um, because I feel like there's so many there's so many things in the West that we can learn from African uh, Christianity. Um, but I, I guess a few ideas uh i think we can learn uh i think we can learn a lot from the worship of the african church uh the the joy the exuberance dancing um all of those things i think uh. we can learn from from all of that
4: amen um my asian <laughs> brothers can certainly learn that <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. um <clears throat> and i think
0: i think another thing would be Just learning um, or or thinking within the context even of Canada, um, learning how to contextualize, but also how to contextualize uh, with indigenous cultures here. I think that's something that uh, this course opened my eyes to more and I think something that we uh, need to talk about more in our society.
1: Yeah. Were you able to connect with the exuberant worship? Or you were just like, where am I? I loved it. I love it. So great.
3: My hips don't quite move the way theirs Mm -hmm. do, but I really enjoyed being part of their worship.
4: Yeah. I'm glad uh, you're not scored on the ability (laughs) to (laughs) uh, dance, uh, but it was a rather uh, freeing experience to know that everyone um, is free to express in many ways and layers, um, even through body movement.
1: uh Yeah. Yeah, one of the things I really like about uh, this course is in in you kind of approach a thing called uh, African theology, and it's like oh, there's an adjective be- before the the word theology, and a lot of people don't think because where where you're at, you just, you just think you're doing just theology. There's no adjective in front, of, but like you realize you're doing Western theology, or people want to call it Latin American theology. And and like people don't realize this, or always uh, an adjective before the word theology, where you're at. Mm. And when you go out of 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 your continent and go to another and join with your brothers and sisters together and worship and talk about theology, you'd be like, oh. This is different. Mm. Mine is different. And we're, we're particular in the, way, in the way we, our mindset is different. And uh, the way we understand this versus is different. And it, it's all beautiful, but it's it's mm-hmm. different. And one is not on top of the other one. And one is not wrong and the other one is right. It's just mm-hmm. different. Did you do that kind of transition thinking before you went to Kenya? Or did you do it in Kenya? Or did you do it, you went deeply into that more in, in Kenya? Or how do you guys... I mean,
3: that. I got that question a lot before I left when people said, Oh, you're taking a course on African theology. Uh-huh. What is that? And for me, I realized when I was there, because I was in a context that was so different from my own, mm-hmm. it helped me to see the characteristics of how I view God and the gospel and the Bible mm-hmm. and my faith mm-hmm. and my tradition because of my context. And Removing myself from my context helped me to see the difference uh-huh. and to be able to articulate what is that lens that I look through that I just assumed was the same for everyone else, yeah. maybe. And then you somewhere else and you go, oh, you have a t- totally different way of seeing this. Mm-hmm. So that's part of my story.
4: Yes. I think the journey was forced upon me uh, very at a young age. My parents are missionaries. Mm -hmm. Um, So I grew up in South Korea, um, Philippines, China, U.S., and now I'm here in Canada. Uh And in between that, um, God gave me a great blessing to be able to do a lot of international travel. Um, I think over 300 (laughs) international (laughs) travels. And some of them were... 300? Yeah, I mean, you know, just travel. Um, and
3: When you have time <laughs> for another podcast, just ask Moses yeah. <laughs> Some of his stories from his travels, he could write novels. That
4: could
0: Seriously. be a podcast on his own, it stories like with Moses. You,
4: And you just say, like, yeah, 300. Yeah, yeah. like uh, novel is very... Uh, f- it's not fictional. It's very real, and... I feel like at least in roughly 20 places uh. I spent a month or more just uh. living in one place, uh, like Kazakhstan, Indonesia, uh. Thailand, uh, you know, Egypt, Jordan, you know, Israel. D- uh. Different places in the world, and I was already well aware of the striking differences. Uh-huh. And I was approaching it more from the polar opposite of what is the same. If there is a the same core. <laughs> Uh. Is there a same core and what would be that same core Uh across this diverse expressions of culture? Mm -hmm. And even from my own, um, let's say, California background, California Uh being a very diverse place like Vancouver, Canada is, um, and various church traditions being expressed. Uh, For example, uh, in a driving distance of where I was doing ministry for the youth and college, there is... uh, School of Supernatural Ministries—that's uh, their official name. Um, like f- with Professor X, <laughs> <Like> <laughs> yes, uh, but in like a Christian version <laughs> of it, um, and um, how they engage God and theology in the world might be very different. Um, in, in very so-called charismatic, uh-huh. but that word can be, you know, quite diversely used. So, yeah. And I think Africa also has that um, strand of so-called charismatic Mm -hmm. or Pentecostal or um, more openness to the work of the spirit, Mm -hmm. in in a sense, in a more mysterious, non-reason, logic-restricted ways. Um, So I was well aware of it. And so I was actually more curious to see, huh, I wonder how Kenyan expressions... (laughs) and various traditions within this context mm-hmm. would engage with god in their expressions mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm coming from that angle mm. yeah i think
0: for myself as well uh having spent spent a few years in in south africa and also within the context of a missions organization um these ideas yeah i i um i guess been yeah, received a lot of these I- these kind of ideas before and valuing different cultures and seeing how different cultures theology comes out. Um, but what I would say is I think this what this course did for me the most was um, give me some language to be able to describe that. Uh, and even through the readings and doing the paper, um, I think this um, Laman Sane, who's a, a It was a Gambian uh, theologian who passed away last year. Uh, He has this idea of uh, translatability, that the Gospels can be and needs to be translated into every language. And Mm -hmm. so I feel like as many different languages, cultures, nations there are, that's kind of the potential for how many different theologies there might Mm -hmm. be coming out of those.
3: To piggyback off what David said, I think being being there um, in an academic course, but then yet just being with the people was a really unique part of this experience because generally when I've traveled, there's no academics involved. So I loved sort of the intermingling of that. So then you have the language and you have the research and the studies and the thoughtful work that's gone into African theological work. And then you're with your Kenyan classmates, debriefing and talking about this and you're going to organizations that are on the ground and seeing how it looks practically and so that interplay was i
2: think one of the really really great parts about this experience Mm. i was going to say i I think sometimes when we talk about um kind of christianity globally we always we kind of clump things together so we say western theology and that's going to include australia and Germany, and England, or whatever. And Uh I think we do the same thing in Africa. Oh, they went to Africa to do something. And so, David, I'd be interested to hear... So, the time you've spent in South Africa, and then the time you've spent in Kenya, um, and the way sort of um, kind of the church and faith has kind of worked itself out. Are there similarities there between South Africa and Kenya? And then are there differences? Because if theology is emerging from the context, and if theology is emerging from the questions that the people are asking, are the questions in both places similar? Or are they different? Or... How did you sort of try and differentiate some of those things out two countries in Africa, mm-hmm. but some perhaps difference and similarities?
0: Yeah, there, there certainly are a lot, of, a lot of similarities. And especially for someone like myself coming from the West with a Western background, um, initially, all of these cultures do look very similar. There, there's, you know, there's the same exuberance of worship that I mentioned before. There's the same, um, there, there's a very similar kind of cultural thing going on that's, that's very different to the West, um, but th- at the same time, you know, going to Kenya, I'd never been to to Kenya before. Um, going to Kenya this time, there were, you know, even immediately when I came, I, I there was some familiarity and and um, a sense of oh, I'm in I'm in Africa. I I know kind of what this is like, sort of. But at the same time, it was very different. Yeah, you know, Kenya's yeah. uh, Kenya's a lot. I mean, Kenya is a lot safer than. Cape Town is as far as walking around on the streets so I felt safer Um, but on the other hand there's there's a lot of differences Um, South Africa is more westernized in a lot of ways and so um, you have uh, probably a bit of a more more western conception of time in South Africa although there are definite exceptions to that Um, whereas Kenya is yeah a little more laid back with that kind of thing Uh, there's yeah, there's yeah. lots of lots of similarities, but some some subtle differences that I think takes time to yeah. start to notice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: we had a conversation, remember, with Diane, and then Chris was here, Chris from Nigeria, mm-hmm. and he, we were like asking questions about the context. He, he would say like, in Africa, mm-hmm. this is what you do, blah blah blah, and, and Diane would be like. No, it's not. It's actually the opposite. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> yeah, because she, she was coming from the east uh, part of, and, and he was coming from Nigeria. And, and like it was it was very different between between the Kenya mm-hmm. culture and the and the Nigerian culture in a very
4: strange way. For me, um, trip to Kenya reminded me a lot about um, an island in Indonesia, uh-huh. Sumatra Island, and the north part of it. There's a tribe called the Bataknis uh, tribe, or Batak tribe, uh-huh. and Actually, they are very musically talented, uh, very expressive in their worship, and some of their Pentecostal expression felt so similar actually. Mm. I felt like, wow, this could be in um, in northern part of Sumatra uh, with Batak people uh-huh. yeah, so it was a strange um, feeling for me um, that it doesn 't need to be particular geographical, but it could other things that make it similar to places that are quite far uh-huh, yeah so in, in your course you had kenyan students as well right yes
1: i think you were almost half and half mm-hmm. yes how was that how do you guys feel around them how did you mingle with them how was that
3: i thought that was one of the best parts frankly it was really cool because us as outsiders we're listening to african theologians we're sort of just there to learn and to listen. Mm-hmm. We, we can ask questions to understand better, but I really didn't feel like it was my place to criticize or push back because it's not my cultural context. Uh. But our Kenyan students that we were with, they totally could. So to be privy to that, I mean, what we see happening in a regent classroom happen there, and to see that dialogue, to see the pushback, and to see sort of the questions or that they're asking mm-hmm. that are criticizing or trying to get clarification from the theologians was really, really a unique experience. And um, because traffic isn't fantastic <laughs> in Nairobi, <laughs> uh, we spend a lot of time on a bus that going, from a euphemism. Point a <laughs> going from point A to point B. So we spent a lot of time in close quarters where we had a lot of opportunity to dialogue, to debrief, to ask uh-huh. further questions from our Kenyan nice. peers. So that was really cool.
4: And I think part of that interesting experience is that even while our uh, classmates were from the very same locality as some of the scholars that were giving lectures, they're, in mm. fact, from a very different background. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, some of the lectures included a Jesuit father who is quite high in the Catholic Jesuit order in mm. Africa, and also included uh, OAIC, Organization of African Instituted or African Initiated Churches. They are very anti-connection um, <laughs> to the denominations of the West, which I would think Catholic um, in general would be almost the very opposite of mm. what the OAIC would want to do. And so we ha- by having striking different people um, actually give uh, lectures, uh, many of our, even Kenyan uh, counterpart, our, our colleagues, were noticing they're hearing stories that they never heard and mm-hmm. perspectives that they are mm-hmm. uh, not exposed to because even in living in the same city, Nairobi, they meet with people in their own tradition uh-huh. uh, for the most part. So, yeah. hmm.
0: This is one of my favorite parts of the course was, I mean, obviously the lectures were amazing and hearing from all these different scholars um, but then getting to hear the questions of our African classmates, getting to, you know, after a lecture, sit down at the table yes. with a nice Kenyan meal and uh, a bottle of soda and discuss these, yeah, discuss what we'd heard in lecture, yeah. uh, discuss how we see that maybe from a Western perspective or from an Asian perspective or from whichever Mixed perspective, perspective, <laughs> <laughs> whichever perspective we are coming from with. The African students was, I think, the most amazing part of this whole experience.
1: Uh Well, one one question. What was the difference between a professor from region and an African professor? Because a lot of people have seen the uh, African preachers being all excited and all like, yeah, empowered and and super cool. But uh, I have never seen, maybe once, once, because Mabiala Kento remember, he he came here Mm. and... And I think that's the first African professor I've seen, uh, like to give a lecture and stuff. How was that different with you guys? An African uh, theologian, scholar giving you a lecture? How was that? Was it different to your experience in Regent? No?
4: Not really? Honestly, Not really? I think um, professors tend to be similar across <laughs> 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 across <laughs> <laughs> geographical
0: areas they're still professors yes they're still professors uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> it's
3: not like the preachers you see on TV yeah, exactly just, you know, sweating bullets <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever they're they're incredibly just yeah they were professors they're very articulate uh-huh. they were humble uh-huh. they were just they were there to to tell us and teach us things
4: yeah honestly okay, if they nice. came to region and they give a lecture like the one that they gave us I think it would be very similar actually to okay. how region summer school would feel like anyway um, with various people coming in um, still having somewhat similarity uh-huh. in in the way they uh, teach okay i had mm-hmm. to ask that question Thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> sorry for interrupting your podcast but claire perini has something important to say
2: This podcast is a ministry of Regent College and relies on the support of generous donors. If you've enjoyed our conversation today or any other day, please consider making a small donation to the college at rgnt.net forward slash give. That's r r g n.
1: (laughs) How do you say R? Uh, R.
2: R. Okay, let me do that again. R-G-R R- G- R. Please consider making a small donation to the college at RGNT.net forward slash give. That's rgnt.net slash give.
1: Now if you really want to make our day when you donate, there's a comment box. Please leave a note saying that the podcast sent you. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy the rest of the podcast.
2: Um, you were saying you had conversations with the students and y- they were asking good pres- questions of the professors. Did they ask good questions of you? So did the Kenyan students ask you questions about Western Christianity uh, that you've never been asked before or that caused, you know, that kind of cause you to reflect on kind of Western Christianity as the, from the questions they asked?
4: Besides why can't you move your hips besides that one? <laughs> <laughs> I think it might not have been the students themselves, but uh, we as a whole class had to engage with a cultural issue of um, having multiple wives and whether or not that's biblically sanctionable for many of the Old Testament patriarchs Mm -hmm. obviously had more than one wife and without being directly censured for that, I mean, perhaps Solomon (laughs) outdid it. But um, (laughs) other than him, um, even David um, Mm -hmm. and even Abraham. Um, So we feel like that is an issue in the West that is a non-issue, as in it's never brought up because it's not a question. Um, The polygamy is not an issue to be discussed theologically because there is overwhelming consensus. But in Africa, it is an issue that... Uh, across um, traditions. Mm-hmm. We had even our friend uh, who was studying with us who is from a uh, polygamous uh, family himself mm-hmm. uh, because that's norm in his own tribe. And so uh, I'm sure the level of um, n- closeness of the issue that he feels oh, as yeah. he learns is different from us who are at least one degree removed. This is could be an issue, but not a direct issue like how do I see my own family kind yeah. of issue, so I think the questions that do arise is can be quite different kind of questions
3: we d- I do recall a conversation we had in class when one of our classmates was talking about how she wanted to run for student government, and there was a lot of barriers standing in her way. It came from a conversation about women in leadership, mm-hmm. and so that was interesting. At the time, they didn't know that I was the president of the RCSA uh. here at Regent. And so she was sort of sharing her struggles with that. And then so that was an interesting dialogue to have and then to share. Well, actually, that's that isn't an issue at Regent when it comes to You know, nobody said you shouldn't run. You're a woman. Uh-huh. And so that was that was an interesting conversation to have about some of the differences that, that we've experienced in in that sense.
4: Uh-huh. And yet, the Anglican Church that um, I attended with some of the regent and um, you know people after the class had women uh, bishop ready for ordination, and they were pushing for uh, women in full leadership mm-hmm. over the Anglican Church. Um, of East Africa in general. Mm -hmm. So I saw a very um, interesting picture where at some level, women uh, are being uh, cut out, but in some level, they're even more progressive than here in the West because I'm not sure if many churches would have women elders, women preachers, um, women bishop. Mm. That's a huge deal. Yeah. 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 Mm. And, And I know that wasn't
0: the question, but I'll go off it as well. I think... That was an interesting thing that I had not, um, I'd not noticed before uh, within an African context um, because, and, and the argument goes, you know, because we've seen colonialism, that's why this whole, you know, patriarchy thing has developed more in Africa. And so you do see it more at times, but th- at the same time, I saw far more women in church leadership in the churches that we visited uh-huh. there than I normally would see here. So there's,
4: it's a bit of both back and forth Yeah,
0: it's not very
3: yeah. black and white i guess uh-huh. like
4: most issue in life <laughs> complex
3: <laughs> funny side note titles are a big deal oh yes in there with if you have a certain role so they didn't know the whole time i mean why would i i didn't feel i needed to mention that i was had this position <laughs> in council here oh. at Regent, <laughs> and so when they found out uh, because Diane told them, uh, they essentially were like, oh my gosh, you were president and we didn't even know. Mrs. And so then it became, this, yeah, a, big it became deal. a running joke <laughs> uh, that why don't I have a bodyguard? And yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: why don't I dress more professionally if I'm the president? It was it was quite See, funny.
4: we were all her bodyguard, just yeah. incognito. Yeah. 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 They did, yeah, we were too they did good for job. them to exactly. notice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I have another question about the... How do you recognize the spiritual realm the spiritual world, and we tend not to do that or talk about it or acknowledge it here in the west uh did you have any any talks about it any did you see anything like conversations around it or just people acknowledging it and in, in, in the way they prayed in the way they interacted in the way they talked about the spiritual influences or or not was
0: mm-hmm. yeah I think um Africans are in general generally very spiritual people Uh and see a strong connection between you know their prayers and and God acting and uh, yeah very very much a a spiritualized worldview compared to us in the West where we tend to be more material Um, and I think yeah I think we saw that play out in a lot of ways uh, and I think that also provides a good challenge to us, I think, as Western Christians, um, to be to be open to that and to be, you know, to be open to seeing God at work within our, our lives and our world, perhaps more than we sometimes give him credit for.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like the term or the phrase, uh, the veil is thin between the spiritual world mm-hmm. and the world that we can directly interface with in world of atomic structures and physics and chemistry for, I think, many in Africa, as well as more than Africa, actually, (laughs) uh, many parts of the world still, I think the veil is thin and uh, spiritual forces can directly, in their worldview, it's not a problem to interact with the very material world. Um, And I think uh, in the West, not that we should all, you know, just be one, but we should re-examine why we believe there is um, a very uh, materialistic view of the world that excludes um, the realm of spirit, being able to be close and um, imminent and interacting with it. I think it's a good question for us to ask.
2: Was there anything that was shocking?
4: Other than the traffic?
2: (laughs) Other than the traffic.
4: That is not (laughs) shocking. (laughs) Many places in the world have amazing traffic.
3: Uh, not for me. Mm. I I almost wish I could say yes. Yeah, no. Mm. But I but no. I maybe I've traveled a lot, and so I've seen I've seen a lot of similar scenes and scenarios. I really enjoy putting myself mm. into very different cultural contexts, which is my, maybe something that we share in with the people that sign up for a course like Certainly. this. Yes. And So I wasn't. I was just excited to mm. get in and mm-hmm. be on the ground and. Mm-hmm.
4: I think I would have loved to actually show up to, like, a very AIC African instituted church setting because yeah. I think that would have been different. I agree, like very different. That would
3: have shocked, I'm yes. sure.
4: I think that would have shocked us if you're all forced to wear uh, white robes and uh, we'll show up without shoes and uh, mm. and see do, exorcisms do, yeah, happen, exorcisms and chantings. But we were going to a more globalized church with many connections globally so i think there was some um, harmonizing with with a lot of the church styles of yeah mm. uh, yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think actually jumping off moses point i think the one of our professors showed some videos of these african instituted churches and that was that was shocking because he was just he was just showing us everything that was out there just like a matter of fact, help us know. And so these prophets in Kenya who, you know, have thousands of people and do mass healings, um, other, you know, prosperity preachers who one was raising, well, claimed to be raising a dead man, but it, it seemed like perhaps a bit of a scam. Uh, but there were, you know, like those videos, this compilation of 10 of them all at once, that was pretty shocking. I think both, I, probably more for us as Westerners, but even our Af- African classmates were kind of like, "Oh no, this is not, this is not orthodox. This is not okay by us," you know, which was yeah. interesting too.
2: Right.
1: So like, you mentioned that that uh, many of the students that went are used to traveling, and and they, I think they got a, they kind of had or obtained that taste of, "Oh, this is good," like visiting churches and brothers and sisters. Yeah from other parts of the world in their context and meeting and and, and hearing their questions is such a gift and such a treasure and that you normally try to do that as often as you can, right? Absolutely. But there's some people that they have not acquired that taste of, okay, this is different and it's so good. And and, and sometimes when you uh, come back, you feel like, People need to experience this. People need to 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 have this conversation about world Christianity and how Christianity is in the spirit is moving in different cultures, in different contexts, different mindsets, different colors, different. And, but they haven't experienced this yet. So, what what would you say to people? Like you've you've discovered this. How? What would you tell people in order to to spark something in their minds and heart and say like, okay, you definitely that that doesn't mean you have to go now to Mongolia or something. But how how can they start to taste that thing you've tasted,
3: Octavio? When you ask that question, and I just get so fired up yeah, because I I, I think that's so important, and I think I mean part of it is sharing about the experience and help. Allowing people to see how it's impacted you. Mm-hmm. I think on a personal level is always a great way. I think it's so important, especially with how global our world has become, how interconnected we are, that hopefully that comes through regardless if you're just taking a language course or you're traveling uh-huh. somewhere that you realize, wait, people are a little bit different here than what I'm used to. What is it? So I, I hope that there's people get tastes of that inevitably. Uh-huh but I think it's just as important as learning about our tradition, our Christian tradition into yeah. the past. So I think it should be a requirement for every program to learn, to take one world Christianity course. Uh-huh. Because I think if we, there's a quote that Craig Gay shared at the retreat about not us shaping God, but God letting uh, shaping us. And I think by putting ourselves in different contexts, we're sort of giving up that control, that idea of how we see the world and how we think things should be. And we sort of say, okay, I don't really get what's going on here. God, show me uh-huh. what you're doing here. And I think that it, it fosters a deeper sense of humility for who we are as humans and who God is. And for me, it continuously just makes me realize God is even bigger than I thought Uh a week ago he's bigger than I thought he was a year ago and that is incredible and so I yeah man I think everyone needs to do at least I I really believe if you get a taste from it you won't be satisfied and it'll just be the start of something bigger so whether Mm. it's taking an intro to world Christianity class or hopping on a plane and doing a Kenya course Uh doing something in that area I think is really really important
4: in one sense um, one can even dig deeper into their own roots of one's own tradition Hmm. or even go try to go back to the world of second temple judaism in the time of jesus himself um, and realize how he saw or how his immediate contemporaries saw the world and interacted is actually very different than how we would interact and see the see the world and how we understand the universe to be so i think one can travel in two ways, horizontally in our own time to different geographical areas. Or I would say more vertically down deeper into historical route where I feel like Western Protestant expression, um, perhaps due to historical reasons of trying to cut away mm-hmm. and protest against some of the perhaps, you know, uh, misunderstandings that w- were accumulated over time, I think might have caught off too much and historical awareness of where we are coming from. I think that would be a good place if one is too afraid to travel to different cultural backgrounds, to go down in their own family roots a couple hundred years, or a couple thousand years, if possible.
1: Yeah, I've seen so many people, because I I used to work with a lot of teams that came from the US, or from from, uh, uh, the Netherlands, or from Australia, like back to Bolivia, to my country, And like do some ministry for a week or a month. And and how how their lives changed in the sense that that they came they came to life again. Because back there it was just me in my tiny context, in my little school, and, and and God was just that. It was super small. It was just about me and my and my maybe you can call it petty problems and and my tiny issues with mama and daddy, and and that was it. God was just there. It was super small. But when they went out, they they opened up their eyes to what God was doing and what God is. So much bigger than just a small thing that's happening to you, happening to you right now, and they just they open up their eyes and they reencounter God, and and again, I'm not meaning everybody's got to travel, but but you kind of realize okay, it's not just me and my small church, my small city. It's God is working in so many great ways, and I'm missing a, a lot of that, and that could be happening here as well with me if I just like open up my eyes and see what's what's happening around me in in my city in my in my country and my it's not just me in my little corner of the world and my my problems and all my darkness and just open up and see what God's doing and how God can impact you here and and that that opens up eyes in a way I've, I've, it's very particular
4: i would say it's also very important to authentically live in the place that we are at yeah if the place that we are at already has people from diverse backgrounds coming I feel like to ignore um, the sensitivity that we need to have to interface with that well, without just simply saying uh, perhaps xenophobic or <laughs> whatever else kind of uh, statements, I think one do need to develop a taste, as Regula said, and also a sensitivity to um, to work with people who are our neighbors, like right now, mm-hmm. in Metro Vancouver, from what I understand is having one of the greatest, I think, Punjabi Indian population, apart from Punjabi India, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I think. Um, <laughs> so I feel like these cities, major cities, are already turning minuscule, globalized world. Uh-huh. And I think Christians would do well um, yeah, to do. minister where they're at, mm-hmm. to have sensitivity for global mm-hmm. Christianity. Get yeah. out
3: of your comfort zone in some way, whether it's in your community or mm-hmm. abroad. Yeah.
0: And I would you know, I would wholeheartedly recommend a course like this. But, you know, like you both say, this this can happen by, you know, going to your you know, going to a local church of a completely different mm-hmm. culture. There's, you know, there's African churches in the city. There's Korean churches. There's churches of so many nations even here in Vancouver. So it doesn't even take necessarily the the big step of going across the world. You can actually just you know, at least get a, a small taste of that experience within your own city. And my hope is that yeah, actually this would be this kind of experience that we've had in Kenya um, I think is hopefully the kind of experience we want to be having in a place like Regent where you're you're trying to open yourself up and, and a, yes, A, understand where you come from in your tradition but also start to see that there's other traditions, there's other nations, there's other expressions of faith which are you know just as valid and we need to to learn from those as well
1: it's so crazy what you say because i've learned so much about my tradition when i came to region hmm, very true it's so crazy i was, I was like of course i know what, what what my 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 church tradition culture is all about i know of course i've been there life for almost 30 years and when i came here it was like you have no idea cuz you weren't asking the, the questions uh people are asking of you right now and, and you understand like they were asking what was what what's your church like what's your denomination like i was like i actually don't know mm-hmm. like when did the church start like who started the church under under what uh, flag it it's, it's it's so crazy how you, you start like digging into your own tradition once you once you meet different people from different cultures different backgrounds and you're like I think I need to know more even about my family I have no idea people are asking questions so so it 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 just connected me with my own roots okay
4: I'm Bolivian. Oh, crap. I am. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That that, that was very surprising. That was very surprising. I think we are like chameleons. We blend into the surroundings. Mm. And after time, we forget what color chameleons are. Because we have blended so well. Mm. And only by suddenly switching background once in a while, I think we can figure out what color we have become. How we are shaped by our own culture.
2: Such a good analogy. That is such a great analogy. Um, uh, just as we close, we, I wondered if you could share. So, Regal, you sort of said, I've realised God is bigger than I thought last mm-hmm. week or bigger than I thought last year. Um, and so is there, are there ways that the time, your time away, you know, it's shaped your ideas for sure. It's shaped your engagement with culture. How has it it's shaped your, your, like I want you to answer personally. So um, either how you pray, not necessarily how you think. 'Cause we've got we've, we've talked about how you think and how that's but how's it shaped your expression of faith here uh, while you've been since coming back? The personal question's always harder to answer. <laughs>
3: I'm trying to decide
2: if my answer is personal enough. Yeah. So we're gonna, that's go. Fine. Go, we're for gonna
3: go with it. So on the last day, I'm not a crier <laughs> and when we had to debrief on the last day. All of a sudden I felt myself getting emotional and then I know it's something I need to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And what I realized in that moment is that that experience revived a sense of hope for the global church. Mm. And that was, I didn't realize that I needed that. And it makes me emotional just thinking about it. Um, But that was, I was reflecting on, I was reading through John while I was there. And I was really stuck in John 1 where uh, the two disciples ask uh, Jesus, they go, Rabbi, where are you going? And he says, come and see. And I felt like my time in Kenya was an invitation to come and see what God is doing in a different part of the world. Yeah. And that was, I, I did not expect that mm. to be as life-giving mm. and encouraging for me as it was. Yeah. And I didn't recognize that until the very last day. That was really, really wonderful. Um, To go off of that, on the other hand, being in a different culture, I was very, very open to just learning. And there's things that I thought, oh, that seems a little weird, or maybe not so orthodox. But then I I I was very much eager to give them benefit of the doubt and look for the good. And so that was also a bit of a check for my for myself to, to say, you know, I think sometimes I'm much too cynical of my own tradition, of my own church experience of my own cultural context, I think it's good for me to, to seek out the good and that doesn't mean not to challenge things. I think need to be challenged, but yet I need to have more grace for myself and the Canadian church. Mm -hmm. So that was, those were two really, really important things for me that Mm. I took away from the course. So good. Thanks.
4: I think when I came back, I talked to my wife And if my children could understand, I might have told them too, but they're too young. (laughs) Um, That I came back with a renewed sense of hope. Mm. Uh, Which is very strange because hope was not what I was particularly looking for when I was going to, let's say, Nairobi, Kenya. Um, But I felt like uh, it was a, once again, reaffirmation of God's ability to show up in society. Um, I think in North American current cultural political climate, it uh, the narrative that we often hear from many of the perhaps evangelicalism leaning churches is one of conflict and war, where one uh, Christian uh, beginning root of the nation is being erased and toppled down and destroyed by whatever is not, and in that narrative, uh, is very little to hope for. Um, Do we violently fight to make um, America or Canada um, just like how it was in the earlier couple hundred years ago? Is that even possible? Is that even good? And I think uh, by going to Kenya, in a strange way, God showed me a hope. Mm. A hope that he can uh, work in society. Because Kenya has their share of problems. It's very problematic. Um, issues also exist there. So they're not problem-free, all good, glorious. Yet, uh, I found profound sense of hope in God's ability to show up in the brokenness of society, systematic injustice and problems, Mm. and offer a hope and a restoration of a sort um, which I think is very needed um, for my own people. Whoever my own people are (laughs) yeah thanks yeah i think uh let's make it three for three
0: (laughs) um no i i think yeah i do think there's there's something about mm, the african culture and worldview and and now having accepted christianity that is incredibly hopeful Uh, and i think in that sense you know going there you yeah like God is, is really at work, and that I think gives us, especially in a Western society where it seems like Christianity is on the decline more. Um, that is an incredibly hopeful thing, mm-hmm. and I think I um, you know having lived in Africa and I you know God's really I think through um, the missions work I was doing, giving me a heart for that place, and and so every time I go back, I feel like it just reawakens my soul and and gives me life. Uh, and uh, I, I was talking with Christine the other day um, who was also a student on the course and she was she's from Hong Kong but she was saying uh, I, I just when I when I talk to Africans it makes me feel at home um, and I feel I feel the mm-hmm. same kind of way there's something maybe there's something to do with uh, you know the, the 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 scientists say that Africa's where we came from originally, and part of me thinks, maybe maybe there's something to that, you know? Like, maybe we're all, we all have some, uh, there's just something homely, and, and that, yeah, God's just giving me a heart for it, I think, as well, um, about that place. So, next year, Diane Stinton is
1: taking uh, students to Costa Rica, So you
2: need to say Costa Rica. Rica. There's no way I could have said. I just would have said Costa Rica.
1: Costa Rica. (laughs) So so like next summer is Costa Rica and it's gonna be amazing as well. So so we have this once a year, right? The, Usually mm-hmm. with with takes students to to different countries and it's more immersive. And it, they listen in this this case they'll be like uh, uh, listening to Latin American theologians and, and being alongside with with Latin American uh, students. And yeah, it's gonna be amazing. So uh, just go into the Regent College website and look for.
2: Yeah, when the summer classes come out, yes. it'll be posted there. So, they're usually called Go Global or Enroute courses. Yeah, and they, exactly. they yep, you'll get a sense of when they are and where they're going. Yeah. Friends, thanks very much for your time. Thanks for your honesty. And um, we'll yeah look forward to hearing, seeing how these things unfold in your own lives and then hopefully in the life of Regent College. Mm-hmm. So thanks for being here. Thanks for thanks. having us. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit regent.net. That's R-G-N-T dot net.